Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me to think on some very cool things today. At my church, we're continuing to go through the Apostles' Creed. And so last time I did a podcast about that, I talked about the first six words. I believe in God the Father. And now I'm moving on to the seventh word. I believe in God the Father Almighty. (laughs) It's been a very cool exploration to look into this word and how it's used in the Bible. I really wondered, man, what should I do? Which part of this? Because it's used, you know, quite a few times and there's different things to say about the Hebrew words and all of that. But I decided just to focus on the book of Genesis. (laughs) That sounds really funny because the book of Genesis is huge and vast and theologically very rich. Uh, But I guess more specifically, I'm going to talk about the first time that God revealed himself as God Almighty. The first time that we see that translated that way in the English. And that's in Genesis 17. But before I get there, I want to paint the picture of what is going on in this story. God is going to reveal himself as Almighty in the story of Abram. So Abram is a really good person to get to know because so much rich and deep theology is found in his life. And also, um, that's the placement of what I'm talking about today, this word almighty. So let's start by talking a little bit about Abram's life. The book of Genesis is trucking along. It starts with creation, and then we have the fall, we have the flood, we have some other stories, we have the Tower of Babel, And then we have this interesting genealogy at the end of Genesis 11. And this is where we first meet Abram. This whole genealogy is shaped in such a way as to point to the most painful spot in Abram's life. In fact, this whole story reveals an incredible source of pain for Abram and his wife. And so we're going to take a minute to look at that. Here's an example of how this genealogy goes. I'm just going to read a couple of lines so you can get the idea. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived, after he fathered Peleg, 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived, after he fathered Ru, 209 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sarek. And Ru lived, after he fathered Sarek, 207 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Sarek had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And so on and so forth. So the cadence of this genealogy, the shape of it, is to say a man's name, to say how old he was when he became a father, and then that he had more sons and daughters and lived a long time after this. And then you get to the story of Abram. And immediately you realize it's a story of pain. It's a story of being different than everyone around him. Now talking about Abram. It says that Abram had a wife, Sarah, and Sarah was barren. She had no child. Talk about a stark difference between all the names and the ages that they were when they had their baby. 
later in chapter 12, God mysteriously shows up in the life of Abram. He calls him to leave his country and basically to follow God. God promises to bless him and make him a great name. So this happens to Abram when he's 75. If you look back in that genealogy I just read, he's already missed a lot of the milestones, apparently, in his culture. You know, people had been having kids when they were 30, 34, 32. Um, There was one guy who had to wait all the way till he was 70, but still, Abram was 75, and still he stands in stark contrast to all the other people in this genealogy. So the story of Abram continues. He still has no child. He has to wait years after God makes him that promise that he'll make him into a great nation. He makes a lot of mistakes in his life, but God still shows up to bless him at very critical times in his life. And God always shows up to remind him, I am going to give you a child. (laughs) But, you know, I said always there. But it's not like God showed up to him every day and told him that. It's just that when God did show up, it's usually what he told him. But Abram had to wait a really long time, as far as we know, to hear from God about this promise. So chapter 17, where we're first going to encounter this word almighty, starts by saying, when Abram was 99 years old, (laughs) talk about missing those milestones. Talk about hearing the loud click of the biological clock. He was 99 years old. So this is what it says. And listen for Almighty, because this is cool. This is where God shows up in his life as God Almighty. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. Oh, I can see why he fell on his face. It might have been a really long time since he heard from God. He'd made a massive mistake by sleeping with his wife's slave in order to get a descendant for himself. Um, He had sinned against his wife multiple times in, in various things. He just, he'd screwed up a lot. And now still... God and his kindness and his faithfulness comes right into his life at that point of extreme pain, the shame and the grief of not having had a child yet. And that's where he says, I am God Almighty. We may be used to thinking about God or hearing about God in terms of Almighty, but as far as we know, This was the first time that Abraham had heard it. (laughs) And again, it says he fell on his face. I don't know if it's relief, if it's worship, if it's exhaustion, if it's all of it. But God comes to Abram and meets him in this impossible place. A place where the name Almighty is really, really needed. So when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty... I think it's good for us to think about things that are very personal to us. Things as personal as wanting a child, like Abram did, like Sarah, his wife, did. And things as impossible 
as having a child when you are you've missed all the landmarks your body's as good as dead as the Bible says about Abraham God comes to us as Almighty in places of impossibility in places of deep pain and in very very personal spaces now the cool thing is God kept his promise to Abram. This would all be stuff and nonsense if he hadn't. <laughs> God had told him that I'm going to multiply you greatly. I'm going to give you a son that I'm going to um, bless. And again, all this is about blessing too, which is a whole other theme. When God shows up and says, I am God Almighty, he shows up with the intent to bless. So I'm not going to go through all the passages in Genesis that mention Almighty, even though there aren't that many. I think it's just five. But in each one, he, he's showing up to reiterate this promise to Abraham basically I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you all the stuff that Abram probably felt the most anxiety about in his life who will be my heir how am I ever going to have a child God showed right up to that place and said yep I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you because I am God almighty Isaac ended up calling God Almighty when he blessed his son, Jacob, to go find a wife. And then at the end of Genesis, I do want to read this passage that also mentions the word Almighty because it also speaks to pain, um, but in hindsight, actually. So I don't know if you know the story, but Jacob, who is the grandson of Abram, a testimony to the fact that God brought about his promise of having a child, and then that child had a child, and they kept having children. So God did make them multiply, and he blessed them. But anyway, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, and he is dying, and he wants to bless his sons before he dies. And he has one son in particular that has a crazy story. His son Joseph, who much of the end of Genesis uh, focuses on his life. Gen Joseph had a really hard life. Um, he had a pretty good childhood, it sounded like. He was favored and loved by his father, even though his mom died when he was um, really young. But his brothers were so jealous of him that they ended up selling him into slavery. So Joseph knew what it was like to be a slave. And then he was unjustly put in prison, so he knows what that is like. He was accused of a crime that he did not commit, and he served time for that. And then he was discovered, basically, to be very gifted. And so he rose through the ranks in Egypt and became the most powerful person in the land other than Pharaoh. And God used him greatly to bless people and to save lives in a time of terrible famine. But he'd really suffered. And so in this passage at the end of Genesis, where Jacob is thinking about his sons and blessing them, he dwells for a long time on Joseph. And guess what word shows up again? Almighty. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And I'm going to read this passage to you because I think it's so profound. Once again, uh, Jacob is understanding just like his dad did and his dad before him, that the Almighty God is the God that shows up when we're talking about really sensitive issues like having children, 
giving birth, suffering, and he's the God that shows up when we're talking about needing blessing in our lives and fruitfulness in our lives. God Almighty. Okay, so here's the blessing. I'm going to read it. It's very poetic. It's very beautiful. And I think it resonates uh, in my heart a lot just with, you know, so many things going on right now in the world. But just to see that God can bring beautiful things out of suffering. Okay, so this is Jacob's blessing to his son Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the Mighty One of Jacob. By the God of your Father, who will help you. By the Almighty, who will bless you. With blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath. Blessings of the breasts and the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. God Almighty had shown up for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob, and for Joseph. It definitely didn't mean they didn't go through some crazy hard things. In fact, I think it's because they went through those crazy hard things that they knew they could trust in God. And it's probably why God showed up as God Almighty. Those situations call for an Almighty God. Impossible situations. Deeply personal situations. I believe in God the Father Almighty. As I close, there's just a few more things I'd like to say. The first is that whenever I hear this word almighty, I think of a really powerful use, not in my lifetime, but not too long ago. In 1963, when 200,000 people gathered in Washington, D.C. for the March on Washington, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famed I have a dream speech. And even as I'm speaking, you're probably recalling now that he uses Almighty at the end of that speech. And during that speech, he's talking about his vision for an America where, among many other things, his children are judged not by the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. And so, as he closes that really powerful speech, he hearkens back to this old spiritual that he hopes one day in the future to be able to sing wholeheartedly with his brothers and sisters. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I love that usage of Almighty. And it's one to really um, contemplate and think about and maybe revisit his entire speech and listen and think about God Almighty in that context. I know I've enjoyed doing that this week. The other thing is that I want to thank you for putting up with all my 
<laughs> mistakes that I make in the splicing and things. I don't really know how to edit <laughs> and I'm learning how to do that. But thanks for dealing with the awkward pauses and things like that. And finally, I am able to add 30 seconds of a song to the end of each podcast for free. And so I realized I should probably tell you what song that is. And today I'm going to do El Shaddai by Lecrae because the Hebrew word for Almighty, the first, uh, well, all the times that it's used in Genesis is El Shaddai, and they translate it Almighty. So it's a very appropriate song to close with. And again, I'm learning, and so I don't know why it's always really loud at the end. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and earlier I said that there are five uses of Almighty in Genesis. There are six. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to my thoughts about I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and for thinking on these things with me.